All right, we're going to read some scripture. Stay standing for just a little bit longer. For those of you that don't like to stand, this is your favorite part of the service, okay? Uh, John chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. John chapter 13. Our word for 2022 is inconvenient faith. That convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul, okay? Complacency is the enemy of your soul soul. And if you want to follow Jesus, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be convenient. And never the things that God asks of us or wants us to do, all of them never happen at a appropriate time. Okay. They're always inconvenient, but they have the greatest payoff of anything in life. How much, how many of you know that the most inconvenient things have the hold the greatest blessings in life? Anybody had children, anybody had children, you know what I'm preaching now. So that's our word for the year. And so how do we do this? How do we live this out? It's, it's these eight core practices that we have that we talk about quite often around here. And, and I should say this too, these eight practices are not check boxes to say, okay, I'm good. Oh, that's right. I do my devotions and I have godly friends. I'm in a group and I got, I, I give and, and, and I serve, check, check, check. I'm good with God. No, 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 no. You're missing it. You're going to miss the whole point. They're practices that help us to become all that Jesus wants us to be. Okay, that's what they're, they're all about. But if the truth be told, they are inconvenient. They're not easy. It's, it's why we call it this year, we kind of changed the practices up a little bit to, uh, you know, prayer is not easy, it's, in, it's inconvenient. It's not never a good time, never opportune time, never have the space to get that done, do you? Serving, giving, getting into a group, are you kidding me? That's like one of the most inconvenient things ever. I got, oh man, all right, I got, how am I gonna squeeze this in? So we're in our series uh, where our core practice of daily devotions, and we're talking about inconvenient devotion. Being devoted to Jesus is not easy. I, 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 would, I would guess that most of us here today desire to be devoted to God. That's why you're here. That's why you got up. That's why you came. But it's not easy to be devoted to him. There are so many distractions and so many things that pull us away from that devotion. And so we're talking over these few weeks about how, how, do we, how do we stay devoted and what does that look like? And my buddy Blaine Bartell was here last week and he um, talked about how to be with Jesus. Did a tremendous job, had some sweet sneakers on that I was so jealous of. But uh, he did such a great job of this idea of being with Jesus. You know, we all desire to spend that time with Jesus. In fact, during this series, encouraging you to take the 22 and 22 challenge, spend 22 minutes a day, just push back the world and just sit with Jesus, spend a, spend a few minutes with him. If you don't know how to do that, by the way, that's one of the, like, how do I do that? We, a couple of apps, I would encourage you to download version. encourage you to download Bible Hub is another great app. Also out in the lobby, we have free journals for you. They're at the coffee bar and there are other areas in the lobby. And in there is a Lord's Prayer Guide. That's what I personally use. I personally use the guide that's in there is the one I use every single day is absolutely transform my walk with Jesus. So Blaine kind of set us up really well because last week he concluded his message and he was talking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And so that's where we're landing today. And we're gonna to talk today about how do we be like Jesus? So John chapter 13, and if you're new to the scriptures, John was a disciple of Jesus and he wrote down all these stories. And this is just before the crucifixion, Jesus is meeting with his disciples and 
they're gathering together and they're having this meal together and then Jesus does this crazy thing and he washes their feet. Now, when you read that story, you're like, if you've been in church, you know. But if, you're, if you've not, it just seems odd. But what you have to remember is the period of time that they didn't have paved roads and, and it was cobblestone, it was dirt. Their feet were constantly getting dirty. And so it was just a practice. If you came into somebody's house, either the owner of the home or the servants, they would wash your feet just as a courtesy. And so that is what was to happen. And in this instance, Jesus is the one who gets down with his disciples and, and washes all of their feet. And so it's a really awkward moment and then at the end, he gets up and he sits back down at the table. And, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, but chapter 13 in verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he said, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow, do as I've done. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. You know, I think about how great that moment must have been for the servant in that home, the person that was um, hired to, to wash the feet. How, how much value he brought to that one person with that one statement It said, by the way, you, you're the one who's supposed to be washing feet. Um, you are, you're valuable. Wow. You matter. That's, uh, that's what God's trying to say to you today. If you feel lower than a servant, God says you have value and you have worth in my kingdom. He says in verse 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So let's talk a little bit about being like Jesus. Father, now we uh, seek to understand your scriptures and uh, just church just encourages to pray, God, help me to understand, help me to understand. You want to speak to me. What is it you want to say? And I'm listening. I'm listening in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you can be seated. So Laura and I, uh, we have four kids. They are, they're all grown now. They're adults. Um, but growing up, uh, we always had a basketball goal in our driveway all the time, especially because I had three boys and we had a love for basketball. I tried to get my daughter to love basketball and she's like, no, thank you, dad. Uh, and so she took a pass on it. But we always had a goal in our driveway. How many of you either growing up or with your kids or now you have or have had a basketball goal in your driveway? Raise yeah, look around. I mean, it's like, I, I, like everybody. It's just, kind of, it's just kind of the thing that you get. And, I, and what I loved about this basketball goal that I made sure with every goal I got, no matter what it was, no matter what it would cost me, I made sure every goal was adjustable. And, and the reason I made it adjustable is because for boys, boys only care about one thing when they get a basketball goal. And what's that? dunking the ball. That's all they want to do. Dunk that basketball goal. And, and so they, they will lower the goal. And I, I tell you, whenever I drive by and I see somebody that has a basketball goal in their driveway that is not adjustable, I'm like, that is a cruel parent. And we need to have a neighborhood meeting and meet with that person. This is the cruelest thing you could ever do to a child. Is that, that kid's like this. 
It's just cruel. So I, my kids, they always got out and they always dunked on it. And now they're, of course, they're adults now. But, but some of you know that uh, Daniel and Di Surratt have moved back from Ohio and they actually now live across the street from Laura and I. And if you don't know the Surratts, that's okay. They were just a part of our staff for a long, long time. So if you're new, it's okay. You don't know them. But they have three children and they have a boy and he loves basketball. And I'm like, I'm back in the game. Here we go. I was so excited. I was like, oh my goodness. And so he had his birthday and we had a little birthday party at our house for him and he turned seven and, and he looks like he's nine or 10. He's just, he's just a giant of a child. And I was like, I know what I'm getting him. And so I went out, Laura and I went shopping and I, I bought an indoor basketball goal for him, but not a cheap one. I mean, I got one that had the, you know, the acrylic backboard where it's see-through. It had, it had this voice activation system where if you made a basket, it'd go. It's like, this is epic. This is amazing. And I was just, I could not wait to give it to him. And when he opened it up, he was so excited. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. And we got the tools out. We put the whole thing together, hooked it over the door. And I was like, here we go, man. Handed him the basketball. What do you think he first attempted to do? dunk the basketball and he did it successfully and then he did it again and he did it again and I said oh man Andrew we got to get this on video this is so epic and he's like yeah and he comes over to my phone he goes get it in slow-mo get it in (laughs) slow-mo he's seven like okay I don't even know where that's on my phone it's right here it's right here and I got a video here watch this this is a video of Andrew dunking Is that not epic? That is so incredible. Look at the celebration. Here it comes. And yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's what every boy wants to dunk the ball. But there's a moment in time where every boy comes to the realization that they're never going to be able to dunk on a 10-foot legal goal. And that's so disappointing for them. In fact, actually, of the 6 billion billion people in the world, did you know that only 1% of the population can even dunk a basketball? Most people can't do it. Now, when it, when it comes to being like Christ, I, I, I think that we are a lot like that. We have this desire, I want to be like Christ, but I, <laughs> I don't have the ability. I, 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 I can't do it. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's Jesus. I mean, he was, he was perfect. He never sinned. He was nice to everybody. He walked on water for Pete's sakes. He's like the guy Fiore of, of loaves and fishes. Like, it's like, this guy's amazing. I can't, I can't live up to that. I mean, and we kind of like, man, can't, can't he lower the goal? You know, can't he, can't he lower the standard a little bit? It just seems cruel that the standard would be, what? and here's the thing I believe is that unlike dunking, I think that all of us, all of us have the ability to be like Jesus. I'm gonna turn to somebody and tell them, you have the ability. You have the ability. 
And if we want to become like Jesus, it, it all starts around the table. I, I like what the scriptures say very simply in verse 2. It was time for supper. It was time for supper. Imagine being one of the disciples and just not going that night. Like, you know, I'm tired. I got to go to bed. I got to preach tomorrow. I'm going to bed at eight. You know, like, <laughs> like show, did not show up that night. Probably somebody like Thaddeus because we never talk about that guy, you know, so he just kind of got shamed away. He's like, can you imagine him showing up the next day and going, wait, what? What did Jesus? No, Jesus did not do that. He did not do that. Jesus got down and he washed. I missed out on the foot. Ah. Do you remember being a... Uh, a kid and your, your parents coming out on the porch and, and, and yelling at you that, hey, it's time for supper. Anybody remember that? They would, they would call for you back in, back in the day. Parents today, God bless you if you're a parent today. It's so easy today. I don't have to yell anymore. I just text them. It's time for supper. But do you remember when your parents would yell, you'd act like you didn't hear them? Be like, I hope you're out of earshot. But, but if they saw you, you'd, you'd always like say, hey, 10 more minutes. Can I just please have 10 more minutes? Here, here's what I believe. I believe that God has set a table for all of us. And, and he's calling us to, to the table. And, and the, the food is, is hot. And, and he's saying, hey, it's time for supper. And you and I are so often saying, oh, 10 more minutes because I got to do this. And once I get this done, and if I get, get, get this done, then, then, then God, I'll, I, I'll do it. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you, if you want to be like Jesus, you got to sit down at the table with Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, you got to sit down at the table with Jesus. I've talked often from this stage about, uh, we have had a practice in our home ever since I can remember, is we sit down to eat at the table every single night. Kids around the table every single night. Now the kids are gone. It's Aunt Mary and, 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 and uh, Lars mom. And I'm like, hey, we're going to sit around this table. But, but when we sit around the table, when I would sit with my kids around the table, it wasn't so that they would, just so they would eat. That's not what it was about for me. Because if it was just about eating, I mean, you could just grab a sandwich and go. I mean, it, I would, it, why go to the trouble of setting the table and making? We could just go out and we could go to Carl's Jr. I mean, well, maybe not that. Not, that's not good for you. Maybe be a better place for you. But I mean, we'd go somewhere, it'd be so much easier. But that wasn't the point. The point was that we would sit down. And the point for me was that, no, no, I want to know you. I wanted to know my kids and I wanted to hear things from them. And I knew when we sat around the table, we would all be learning about each other because we did these things called highs and lows. And some of you probably do this around your table. Everybody come to the table and what was something good from your day and what was something that maybe you struggled with today? And everybody's got a high, everybody's got a low. And the reason I would do that is because I would get a hint into what they are get excited about what they enjoy about life. And then when, when they would say they're low, I would get a hint or a clue and I would learn a little bit more about that child. Oh, that's what discourages them. That's what's hard on them. That's what they, they don't like. And they would come around to me and then I would do mine as well. And that's what this core practice of daily devotions is all about. We have this practice and it's, it's more than just read the Bible. I don't know why we've reduced it down to read your Bible. I mean, that's, that's like saying, just eat your food. That's like, is nutrition important? Uh, audience participation. Is nutrition important? Yes. 
So we all like, uh, is that a trick question? I'm not really sure. No, it's important. <laughs> Don't you always feel that way when a preacher asks a general question? I'm not answering just in case this is a trick question. I'm not really sure what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's important to read your Bible, but I, I want to tell you this. It's, it's, don't read your Bible. Now, I know some of you right now are like, oh my goodness, we have a heretic on stage. What just happened? He told me, don't read my Bible. Don't read your Bible. Let God speak to you through the Bible. Because that's what God wants to do. It's, it's, it's about relationship. It's about him knowing you and you knowing him. When you read the scriptures, you, you find out the things that God loves. You find out his high. You find out the good. That's what God likes. That's what he enjoys. And I'm telling you, if you don't read the scriptures or you don't spend much time in church, I'm betting you the thing you think God thinks most about and the thing that God likes is not what you think it is. Just telling you, it's probably not what you think it is. And what is it that God gets upset about? What is it that bothers him? And I'm telling you, if you never read the scriptures, this is the problem with so many Christians. They don't read the scriptures and they think, oh God, he just gets ticked off about this. This is what upsets God. And now I have a banner and we are going to go out and we are going to protest. And we're going to say all these things that God does not like. And, and, and then you get to reading, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's not what, that wouldn't be God's, God's low. And then God, and, and then when you're praying, when you pray, God's like, all right, tell me your, tell me your high for the day. Tell me your low for the day. Because you're my kid and I want to know you. That, that's, that is what it's all about. And it was around the table the disciples learned how to be like Jesus. In verse 15, Jesus said this, I have given you an example to follow. Say it with me. Do as I have done to you. Now, here's the thing. Jesus wasn't trying to get the disciples to do a, a pedicure. That's not what this was. Like, Peter, grab the pumice stone. Okay, here we go. Right there. If you just get it right there. Right there, Jesus. Right there. Oh, that's the spot. Right. Can you imagine that? We're starting a pedicure ministry. That's what God wants us. That's what some of you ladies are taking away from today, aren't you? I heard him say it. I heard him say it. We've got to do it now. Some of you men are looking at me. I know you men are getting these pedicures and I do not know why you're doing this, but you must stop, okay? <laughs> I don't know what's happening to men. We're getting pedicures. We're going to baby showers now. We're going to wedding showers. Our pets' heads are falling off. No, that's not, that's not what it was about. So what was, what was Jesus trying, <laughs> sorry, what was Jesus trying to teach his disciples? Well, let's look at it. Go back all the way to verse one. I think we get a hint, we get a clue here. It says this, he had what, say it with me, loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. The washing, the foot washing, first of all, was simply a demonstration of his love. 
It was his way of, of, of loving his disciples, of putting their needs in front of his own. I mean, think about it. it Jesus is there. His feet are dirty. He could have been like, hey, oh, get over here. Wash mine first, and then I'll get around to yours. But he didn't. He saw, my feet are dirty. I'm a mess, but they're a mess. And you know what? I love them. So instead of taking care of myself first, I'm going to take care of them. And that's what love is. Love always puts the needs and concerns of others before their own. I mean, I just, I saw this recently. We, our house has kind of become, our kids are grown and gone, but for some reason we become the neighborhood hub for children. Laura just attracts these children. She's like Mother Hubbard or something, you know, or I don't know what she's doing. She's like the lady from the, the hills are alive with the sound and she dances around. She's anyway, that's my wife. And so there's always kids in our home. And recently there was this sweet, beautiful, cute girl. It's one of the cutest girls you'd ever know. She's like nine. And she said, she said, I, ow, I, 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 I cut my foot and I looked down and she had, she had stepped on a carpet tack. Oh, so painful. And I, but I looked down and, and there was just like a little tiny, you know, dot of blood. And I was like, Hey honey, let, sweetie, let me go get you a bandaid. So I went and I got her a bandaid and I came back and I did what all dads do. And I said, here you go, sweetheart. And then I went back to watching the game. I wish that wasn't true. <laughs> and then all I hear moments later is Aunt Mary going, oh my goodness, you come here, sweetheart. What are you doing, Brad? I was like, did you see this gash? I'm like, it was a get another Band-Aid, get the peroxide and some of the Neosporin, okay? Go. Yes, ma'am, I'm going. She's like, come here, sweetie. And she takes this little girl, puts her on her lap. And she says, let me just take care of you. Peroxides that thing, ointments, puts a Band-Aid on it, and bakes her a cupcake. <laughs> but but that's, that's what love does. Love's like, I got a hundred other things to do. But I'm, I'm going to put your needs before my needs. And that's what... That's what Jesus did here. But I, I want you to write this down too. I, I can't love like Jesus until I let Jesus love me. I can't love like Jesus until I let Jesus love me. You have a place at the table. You belong. You're, you're, you may feel unworthy. You may feel like an outcast, you may feel like what you've done or who you are or what you're doing or the things that are happening and going on in your mind that I'm not welcome at the table with, with Jesus. I think the number one thing, too, that keeps us out of the word of God is that, that feeling. And that is, by the way, from the pit of hell. Because you belong at the table. You have a place at the table. Encourage two people around you that you, not, not the one you came with, okay? Encourage a couple people around you and tell them, hey, you have a place at the table. Come on, two people. You have a place at the table. You have a place at the table. One of the things we, we do as a staff is whenever a member of the staff has a birthday, we go out and we have a big birthday lunch. And we have this tradition that at every lunch, everybody knows it's coming, that uh, everybody at the table is going to say one thing that they love, admire, or respect about that person that's having a birthday. And it's always awkward for the person whose birthday it is. But I can tell you this, that I remember when it was my birthday. 
And it was awkward to have people say nice things about me, but man, it meant a lot <laughs> to sit there and hear that that's what I do, that's who I am. And then we do the most awkward thing ever. We make the person whose birthday it is say something nice about themselves. <laughs> like you, and you, can't, you don't get an out. You gotta, you gotta say something that you believe about yourself. And, and, and it's awkward, and then they say it, and, and, and we, we affirm them for it. Well, when you sit at the table, when you take time to get around the table with God's word and carve out some time and sit with him with no distractions, it's, it's a moment for Jesus to affirm you through his word. Like it's, he, can go, he can come to you and affirm you for who you are through his word and through his presence. And when you get into his word and he begins to speak, I'm just telling you, all of a sudden you start hearing that you, you are my son, you are, you're, you're my daughter, you, I am for you, you're for me. I, I'm, I am a shelter in the storm. I, I, I love you. My peace I give to you. And, and you're, the God is speaking all of this, not to some other person, not to some ancient manuscript. He's speaking it and he's saying, no, 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 this is, this is for you. I want to say this to you. And I think one of the most amazing things that you could ever do is speak it back to God. To look at the scriptures and start to read it and say, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. His mercy is for, for, for me. And it's awkward. I'm telling you, it's really, really awkward. But it is so, so good to say those things and to know those things and to sit in the presence of God Almighty. That is what it's all about. Come on, somebody say, that's what it's about. That's what it's all about. Verse four. In verse four, it says he, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that, that he had around him. Now think, think about this. This is Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, and he, he gets down, he humbles himself, and he... He gets low and, and he serves in the shadow of the table. And he's down caring for the disciples in the lowest possible place, like the Messiah, God on a knee, washing feet. If you're taking notes, write this down. At the table is where we learn how to serve like Jesus. At the table is where we learn how to serve like Jesus. We, we, we learn how to serve in the shadows. And let's just be, come on, it's church, let's be real in here. It's hard to serve in the shadows. Because in the shadows, you, you don't, nobody notices. And we have this thing in us, in our human nature that, and sometimes it's not even ego or pride or anything like that. I just, I just want somebody to notice. You know what I mean? Like, I just want somebody, does anybody, know, does anybody notice what I did? And, and, and does anybody appreciate? Like, nobody sees. Does anybody appreciate what I do? Come on, men, when we're serving our wives, can I get an amen from the, from the men in the place? You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're serving your wife, you want her to see that you wash those dishes. Come on, somebody. 
Because if she doesn't see you wash those dishes, did you wash those dishes? No, sirree. And, 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 and we, we do it, we do it because we, we, have, we have a motive. <laughs> this is the reason why we want you to see us serving us. You know, and we, every guy's got that motive. We want to be affirmed. Where? What's wrong with you people? We're men. Want to be encouraged. There's a lot of laughing right down here. I, uh, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard in church right there. That's what Jesus is doing. He's humbling himself in the shadow of the, of the table. And, and this is what a servant does. A servant's not supposed to draw attention to themselves. Isn't the worst waiter or waitress is the one that you notice? <laughs> the best waiter or waitress is the one you really don't see. And, and that's the way we're, we're called to, to, to serve. And, and, and it's this willingness to get down and serve in the shadows and help others without any kind of recognition or spotlight on myself. But I want you to write this down. I can't serve like Jesus until I let Jesus serve me. I, I can't serve like Jesus until I let Jesus serve me. I mean, so I thought it would be fun today. I thought it'd be kind of cool if we did a good old-fashioned foot washing because you know it was coming. Some of y'all, anybody remember foot washing back in the day when they would actually take out the basin and you would take off the shoe and wash? How many of you remember that? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of that. All y'all about get to introduce to that right now, okay? A good old-fashioned. Somebody here today is gonna wash the pastor's feet. Can I get an amen? You think I'm kidding. There's a basin underneath someone's chair right now. I need you to look under the chairs. There should be in it, either that or it's right next to you somewhere, okay? Look under there. Do you see the basin? Everybody's looking. They're like, oh, there's no basin. And right now, there's two gentlemen right back here that are sitting between, hold it up, pick it up, hold it up. Where's it at? Look at it. No, no, no. They don't even want to grab it. Hold it up. Yeah. Congratulations, Scott. He right now, he's like, my wife is at work today. She had to work today. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. All right, come on. No, I'm kidding. Sit down, sit down. That wouldn't be awkward for you. It would be awkward for me. Ain't nobody touching my feet. That's weird. That's why I don't get a pedicure. I'm like, oh, why? Stop. No. <laughs> But think about the moment, you, think about the awkwardness of this right now. Some of you are all like, is he serious? Is it under my chair? Oh, thank you, Jesus, it's not under my chair. <laughs> I know, I saw it. But think about it, think about the disciples in this moment, like, this is awkward. They, they believe at this point, he's the Messiah, son of God, chosen He's, he's our rabbi, he's our teacher, and he's, he's, uh, he's, washing, he's washing my feet. Jesus is not supposed to serve me. I'm supposed to serve him. Like, Brad, this doesn't make sense. Jesus doesn't serve us, we serve him. Well, I'm gonna disagree. Psalm 23, five. The 23rd Psalm, David wrote this. You, he's talking about God here. God prepares a table. You can't prepare a table unless you're serving somebody. God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, what Jesus does is he prepares a table for you 
every day through his word. See, it's not like Jesus is our errand boy. That's not what I mean by that. You know, oh, great, yeah, Jesus is here to serve me. I need you to do this, this, this. Now on with you. And sometimes that's how our prayer requests come off. We just kind of stop, and he's my errand boy, and I, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, and, and give me a good day, amen. And that's not what it's about. It's about sitting at the table and letting him serve to you his word. And in other words, it's Jesus sitting at the table, and it's him saying to you, uh, uh, it's him like just getting down and saying, hey, um, and you're like, whoa, this is awkward, Jesus. Uh, no, no, I need you to stand, I'll kneel. No, no. He's like, I know you're really, really tired. Let me just serve you some of my grace. He's, he's, he's like, he says, you know, he's down on his knee. And, like, ah! and, he's, and he says, listen, I, I know you're, you're just so confused right now, and you can't tell which end is up, and nothing is making sense. Um, let me just... Let me serve you some of my peace. I mean, I, I know you don't feel like you're worthy, but, but let, me, let me give you some of my mercy. Let me, right now, people are not being kind to you. And your life is tough. Hey, come here, sit down, sit down. You're like, ah, <laughs> now let you sit, Jesus. I'll kneel. He says, no, no. Let me, let me just serve you some of my kindness, some of my affirmation. You're my child, you're my son, and you're my daughter. And that's awkward. That's really awkward, but that's a picture of the cross, is that he humbled himself to give away everything so that we could have it. Somebody say amen to that. That's, that's, that's who he is. Jesus washing the disciples' feet was not only about love and serving, it was also about forgiveness. We read this in verse 8, Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So washing the disciples' feet wasn't just about serving, and that's how we normally hear it. That's the context in which it's usually preached. I've preached it that way, and that is absolutely true. But it's, there's something that we miss often in here is Jesus washing the disciples' feet was also symbolic of washing away their sin, the sin that was corrupting their soul. And he said, listen, your soul is dirty. Let me wash that. Let me purify you. Write this down. It's at the table that we learn how to forgive like Jesus. It's at the table we learn how to forgive like Jesus. We learn how to forgive that person that cuts you off in traffic, that you're just ticked off about because they just zoom and cut right in front of you. I'll show you get up on there and I'm gonna get up close enough you see my eyeballs. And Jesus is like, I'm going to give you a little bit. You can forgive that person. Or you can forgive that person at work. You know, that person that's so narcissistic at work. Everything's about them. It's all about them. Everybody's got to cater to their needs. Oh, we'll just bow to you, won't we? And God gives you the, 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 the strength and the mercy to forgive that person. God gives you the mercy and the strength to forgive people who've hurt you, people who've wounded you, people who've abused you. 
People who've broken you, people who have betrayed you. Why? Think about what did Jesus do in this moment? He's going, he's washing all of the disciples' feet, and then he comes to Judas, and in that moment, he could have went, yeah, you know, I know. And Jews could have been like, I get it. And Jesus go, I'm passing, and I'll move over here, which is what we do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's what we do. But Jesus didn't do that. He gets down on a knee in front of the very one that he knows is going to betray him. He looks into the eyes of Judas. Judas looks at him, and Judas and Jesus is looking at him like, I know what you're about to do. And Judas is like, oh, you, you know, you know what I'm about to do do and you're going to, and he says, I offer you my mercy and my love to the very one who would betray him. That's what Jesus does at the table. We learn how to forgive like him. And forgiveness is simply about choosing mercy over uh, revenge. It's about choosing grace over bitterness. But I'd like for you to write this down. I, I can't forgive like Jesus until I let Jesus forgive me. I, I, I can't forgive like Jesus until I let Jesus forgive me. Uh, that's one of our core practices we're going to talk about in our next series of continual surrender. It's this practice of repentance uh, I've shared many times about my daily practice of repentance. And if you get one of our uh, journals with the Lord's Prayer in it. One of the practices in that is repentance. And it was very hard for me to begin this practice. And I just started a daily practice. Those of you that knew, I started a daily practice two years ago. Before that, I wasn't doing it every day. I was just those moments that I knew, oh, wait, messed up there. You got to forgive me. And I think those things are important. But I started this daily practice and, and I sit and I and I think about my, what, my thoughts and my words and my actions and what I've been doing, who I've been around, walking through every interaction, asking God. And, and I, I'll be honest, when I first started doing it, I didn't want to do it because I thought that when I did it, it would just heap condemnation and guilt on me. I felt that it was going to create just a darkness in me. I felt like it was gonna create um, just a black cloud that would just hang over me all the time and that I would just be belittled and I would just feel like nothing, I would feel like dirt and, and, and the exact opposite happened. What, what I found was it was so freeing <sighs> to every day, let God search my soul, wash my feet, clean my soul. And he said, Brad, I know but I'm here. I'm like, yeah, but, but I wasn't. I know, Brad. But my mercy and my grace are for you. And, and you receive that. And what I discovered was how loving and kind our God is. How graceful and full of mercy he is. And he really is a loving father as the scriptures and the songs so eloquently teach us. He desires to to forgive me. So one of the um, one of the questions I get asked all the time uh, is, especially by little kids, is, "Hey, can you dunk?" And I get it because I'm six foot four, and they're like, "Can you dunk?" And I always look down, and and the truth is, all the way through high school, I couldn't dunk. 
I was 6'4", played basketball, and I couldn't dunk. It was, it was embarrassing <laughs> uh, because I should have been able to dunk, and I, and I couldn't. And so I graduated high school, and I was in my early 20s, and I just kind of settled in. I'll, I'll be one of those that never, ever dunked, and I'll have that hanging over my head the rest of my life. And then one of my best friends came to me, and he said, wait a minute, Brad, you've, you don't know how to dunk? And I'm like, yeah, John, I don't know, I don't know how to dunk. And he goes, you need to learn how to dunk. <laughs> He's like, buddy, you don't, want, you don't want to be six foot four and have that hanging over you your whole life. You want to be able to say that you were able to dunk. And he said, I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to dunk. Now, I should mention that my friend John was a, a former NBA player. He was six foot nine. He played for the Dallas Mavericks and was on Rutgers Final Four team. So I said, you going to teach me? <laughs> I'm there. Where and when? And so we showed up at this gym. And I walked into this gym and I just thought, I'm never going to be able to learn how to do this. The most surprising thing happened is, is he handed me a tennis ball. And he said, we're going to start with this. And what's interesting is he didn't lower the goal. He said, that's not going to help you. And for some reason, this gave me some kind of strange confidence. And I, and I, 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 started to dunk and I was able to get up on the rim and, and, and I was able to get the, the tennis ball over the rim and I was able to start dunking a tennis ball. And honestly, that felt pretty good. Like, yeah, woo, I just dunked a tennis ball. So I could say, now I have dunked. I don't have to tell him what I dunked, but I. And then he, we got done with the tennis ball and we went to a, a volleyball and then I was able to dunk the volleyball. And then after the volleyball, we went to a women's size basketball that I could grip and we began to dunk that. And then the day came. I showed up at the gym and he had a, a full legal size basketball. He said, today is the day, Brad, that you're going to dunk. And uh, I was like, oh man. And I remember the first few times I tried it, I, co- I couldn't get it. But I remember uh, gripping that ball and leaping into the air and in mid-flight, realizing I am about to dunk a basketball. Just the exhilaration that was going through in that split second as I went up just above the rim and I'm like, this is happening right now. Boom, threw the ball down and I dunked a basketball. And I was like, oh, man, that's, uh, that feels good. This is what God will do for you if you will show up at the table. You can be like Jesus. It is possible. And if you'll show up, like my NBA friend, he's the expert. Who else do you want training you in life? That's who I want training me. And he says, show up every day. Show up. I'll show you how. And what's great is he won't lower the goal. He won't hand you a legal-sized basketball and say, all right, make it happen now. I want to see you do, I want to see you do five journal pages, and I, I want to see that proof text, and I want to see the Greek, and I want to see the Hebrew breakdown on that word, if you would, please. No. He's going he's gonna to hand you a tennis ball. And like my friend, he's going to encourage you. You can do this. Now let's get started. Would you stand... We're gonna sing for a moment and then we're gonna take a few moments to let Jesus love us through the sacraments. Let's sing together.